Hello and welcome to the Skyscanner Code Voyagers podcast. I'm Richard Davidson and this week we talk about Pingu and Chaos Wizard, two tools that we've made to help monitor our systems at Skyscanner. So here we go. Okay, so in this episode we're going to be talking to two of our developers down in the London office. Uh, so first we have... Okay, so yeah, I'm Sam. Uh, I'm a software engineer at Scanner. I think I've been here for about uh, since April, May, June, July, August, September, five months. Or... Okay, it's been very quick that has. <laughs> um, and I'm currently working on the, the flights pricing stack, um, which is basically the thing that ties up itineraries and routes with prices um, and ends up showing it to the user. Uh, that's pretty That's pretty much me. Cool, and we also have? Uh, hi, I'm Simon. Uh, I'm a, another software engineer down in London in Skyscanner. Um, I currently work in the uh, identity and uh, user identity uh, side of Skyscanner. And previously, I've also worked in the flights uh, pricing stack uh, that Sam also works in, um, working mainly on the uh, caching of flight prices uh, when you're searching. So although you're both new, um, you're kind of in our second London Skyscanner office already. We had a temporary office, but in your, you're in our kind of new fancy London office now, aren't you? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's much nicer than the, the co-working space we're in before. There's kind of like plants hanging from the ceiling. It's got kind of like a sky garden feeling. <laughs> I did, uh, when I was down in the London office, the desk I was sat at, uh, there was a plant above it that... Uh, was slowly dripping water on me, so you could tell that we were still in that uh, newly moved in phase. Um, but I, I assume that's all by now. I think I've had that a few times. Yeah, you just got to be careful who you set, I think. Um, so the topic that we're going to talk about is vaguely around um, how do you make sure your site slash services are all working? Um, and the reason we came up with this is you both recently did uh, demos, uh, our tribe demo, of tools that you'd built. Um, so the first one I was going to talk about was our sort of chaos testing kind of equivalent. Um, do you want to give a bit of background on that? I forgot which one of you did that. Was it Sam or Simon that did that? Yeah, it, was, it was me that did that. Yeah, so um, at the moment we're making a lot of services and we're, we're, we're taking Skyscanner to uh, to the cloud essentially. So previously we had a lot of kind of fixed infrastructure and data centers and now we're, we're heading to AWS. Um, and that provides a lot of new challenges for us. Um, and one of the things that we wanted to make sure we got right was that uh, our services wouldn't fall over uh, because we had not sufficiently taken into account the uh, the cloud. Uh, so to do that, yeah, uh, a kind of popular topic at the moment, I think, for, for various companies. Uh, Netflix have kind of uh, coined the, uh, the the kind of the term of the chaos monkey, um, which is their tool for doing uh, making sure their systems work, and they run that all the time for different kind of scales of things. So whether a single box fails or an entire region fails, um, and we wanted to, to to emulate that for our services as well um, with our own tooling. Yeah, so it's funny you, you mentioned Netflix. I guess they're the ones that really popularised this. And I was googling this last night just to kind of in prep for this, and I'd forgotten how long ago it was they made that tool. It's been around for like almost five years, I think now. Um, and it got a lot of buzz when it was released. Um, can you go into a little bit more details to what your version does? What kind of chaos does it wreak? Yeah, so it's it, the chaos it wreaks is uh, is both. So we run a lot of things in uh, Docker, and so instead of having kind of dedicated boxes that you're running on, it's kind of a, everything is a, a kind of task within a box. Um, and so my one uh, both just uh, terminates tasks. Um, 
suddenly and unexpectedly, um, and also adds in fake latency to requests sent to, to and from the service. So it's as if uh, something is going a bit wrong, or the network uh, bandwidth is constrained, or, or some failure on that sort of line. And this is on live systems, isn't it, that you're doing this on? Yes. Because um, when you demoed it, my face did kind of look quite horrified. Um, and I just had the fear of, we're intentionally breaking our services? Um, how did did you find other people had that reaction to this idea of, of, of having a chaos tool that intentionally destroys the world? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's an odd a concept to start with, but... Um... When you have a system, uh, it's not going to be this necessarily the same in production as it is going to be in your, your test mode, especially for the sort of things that we're actually trying to test for, because we're not going to have our app running necessarily at the full production scale in multiple regions uh, in our test environment, and we certainly won't easily be able to get uh, user um, realistic traffic uh, in that sort of test environment. So the only way to make sure that your production system is going to be able to deal with the things you're testing for is to do it in production. Which is scary, but true. Um, but it's so. Have you got it currently scheduled just to kind of fire at random, or is this kind of like manually cause chaos? It is. Uh, it is set to only do it when we tell it to at the moment. Um, so it's not truly unexpected and random. Um, at the moment, we have it a little timer which reminds us twice a week uh, to run a test. So it won't just do it whilst we're all say at lunch or dealing with another incident or, or something on those sorts of lines. Um, so it picks a time and we can press the a kind of button saying run a test, but the actual test that it runs is random. So we don't know if it's going to uh, affect a small amount of boxes with a large amount of latency or uh, turn off half the uh, instances in another region. Um, and so that side of it is, is like anything can really happen at that point in time, but the entire point is that our system should be able to cope with any of it. And the first time you ran it, how confident were you that you weren't about to break anything? Um, <laughs> mostly, confident, mostly confident. <laughs> I mean, so this one of the kind of advantages we had because building this ourselves is that we were building this when we were actually putting the service together to start with. So the first few times that we ran it, it wasn't as critical. Uh, we were the, This wasn't a service that was holding the entire production traffic. It was getting a, a small amount. So we, we kind of got ourselves uh, comfortable with it whilst it was still in a, in a kind of development phase. Um, so that now when it is in production and, and fully used, uh, we're confident every time that it should be okay. Hmm. Yeah, the, using it as you're building it's really interesting because I guess um, a lot of things like um, load testing and system resilience, these are things that quite often get thrown at the end of a project. <laughs> so I guess making that as part of your development cycle is a really nice idea. Yeah, it makes uh, it means that when you're actually developing it, you can you can focus more on these bits and pieces. So as you say, there it's not left as an afterthought. Cool. the The other thing that uh, I noticed when you were demoing it to to like various lightning talks and so on inside the company, uh, a lot of people immediately jumped on. How have you secured this, and how do you make sure like just a a random person doesn't doesn't start breaking down the site? Um, that that for some reason really was a repeating question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question to ask. You don't want the, uh, do you have a button which is take my site down accessible to your customers because someone will find it and press it repeatedly. Um, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a good question. When you have a, 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 a system which is deliberately destructive like this, um, you've always got to be able to kind of uh, make sure that that has the necessary fail safes around it that um, uh, you can't accidentally press it. Um, because, as you say, it's like this, the, the entire tool is meant to um, test against randomness and 
and things being unexpectedly happening. And one thing which is almost guaranteed to happen at some point, if you haven't properly locked this down, is randomly someone was going to come across it and press it when you don't want them to. So the nice thing is, um, it was your team that developed this, but um, we try and follow the kind of internal open source model at Skyscanner. I guess since the demo, Sam, is, is your squad kind of looked at that and thought, oh, we could use that. We've definitely looked at looked at using it. Um, I'm not sure how we'll use it yet because uh, we're moving to Kubernetes right now. Um, it should be the same thing, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it'll need some adaptations for, to move from the the, share, uh, the kind of ECS uh, world to the Kubernetes world, but it's uh, totally doable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not necessarily on our roadmap, but we do want to do chaos engineering for sure. And I guess this is the nice thing about what we try and do with the, the internal open source is that because you guys are using Kubernetes, you can just get that same project, tweak it, and, and then the greater good around the, the whole company can make use of that same tool, which is nice. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's cool. Um, but the, the most important thing, I guess, the, the Netflix version, Chaos Monkey, Simeon Army, I, I kind of forget what their, their proper name is. Have you come up with a, a witty pun for it? And, uh, yeah, um, a few names have been been thrown around. Um, uh, one one popular one, I think, was uh, Sky Spanner, uh, which is uh, someone who invented in the past for Skyscanner's future uh, chaos testing uh, things. Because it's uh, built around the uh, the Drop Wizard uh, framework, um, I relatively like Chaos Wizard, um, but that's just me. I like that. I mean, it, it feels like you can't have a software project without a tenuous and painful pun. So th those would both work. I'm, I'm down with both of those. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Uh, thanks for that. So, uh, Sam, I guess the the tool you're working on was slightly different, uh, a slightly different approach. Yeah, it's it's definitely different. It's, it kind of has a different goal, but they they're very much linked. Um, in the the project that Simon worked on, um, the chaos the chaos tool. Uh, what do we just name it? The chaos wizard. Chaos wizard. Sky spanner. Um, that's that's going to try and like break your infrastructure. It's going to try and break your app. But to to know whether it's broken, you need something to monitor it continuously. You need to look. You need uh, metrics. You need uh, alerts. So, and one of the things that we we noticed in Skyscanner was a lot of the metrics tend to be kind of instrumenting our HA proxy or looking at the ELB metric or looking at the app metrics themselves and aggregating them and trying to figure out if something's gone wrong. We we weren't actually looking at. Um, metrics from the point of view of a, a client of these services so your for example your ha proxy might be absolutely fine your your app might be fine but there might be a dns problem somewhere but if you're only looking at ha proxy metrics and your app metrics you're never going to see that your app is actually down so one of the things we came up with is essentially uh, a tool we've named pingu it's very much in style already ticking the pun box i like this the, the, the pun there is basically we have this squads and tribes model, right? And the squad wearing is the dancing penguin squad. <laughs> so Pingu seemed apt. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> Pingu is basically, it's, it's, it's kind of based on the idea of Pingdom or Monetis. And with Pingdom and Monetis, you set up uh, uh, like a, a test or a, a metric or a probe that continuously pings an endpoint on your service. In Pingdom and Monetis world, that's a public endpoint. So it might be hitting your the edge edge of your infrastructure at the CDN level. And it's typically testing what your web users or your app users might might see. 
Whereas we wanted the same sort of tool for our internal users. So we bit, we bit Pingu, which is basically the same sort of thing, right? Uh, except there's some slight differences in that it's a lot more configurable than what you'd get on Pingdom or Monotus. One of the one of the things that we have at Skyscanner is we're using uh, gRPC in some places and REST endpoints in other places. Um, and, 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 and sometimes as well, you want to validate the responses you get back with a bit more intelligence than did it respond with a 200 or did it respond with an okay response. So Pingdu is basically a, a node library uh, that you can deploy as a Lambda function, um, which will run a set of probes that might have different ways of requesting a service, requesting to a service and different ways of validating that response. It will run them continuously through lambdas and report on a nice dashboard for for you to have a look at what's going on. So it's like so the, the fact that as you mentioned, we've we've got some gRPC endpoints, we've got some REST endpoints. Um, have you made Pingu to be kind of scalable by squads so that if they start using a yeah, another protocol, they they could just kind of like throw in whatever they want. Yeah. So essentially, a probe is just an interface that has three methods. I believe it's a, an initialization method. Because we found that sometimes you want to initialize some data to make the request, or you want to load some data off disk. Um, maybe it's a protobuf definition or something like this. There's a, a request method, which basically you use some library to make the request to your service. It might even be your own client. Uh, and then there's a validate method, which basically accepts the request, validates it, and returns true or false. Or might I think as well, you can have some extra logging in there if you like. So yeah, it's very configurable. So you're saying as well that this runs as a lambda. So um, with Chaos Wizard, we're kind of manually triggering that at the moment. Have you set up these lambdas just to kind of fire at a set pattern, or is it on demand, or what? What's the kind of invocation pattern that you're you're going for at the moment? So the invocation pattern is we need to be testing these services all the time. So the so these are running uh, on the, as fine a granularity as AWS scheduled events allow you to do at the minute, which is they run every every single minute in every region that we have. We'd like to increase that, I think, but right now, Pingu is a super early project. So mm. we have like two two or three probes, uh, and, they're, and they're testing kind of, it's, it's testing a kind of a continuous delivery testing thing while we're getting ramped up with some of the production services we're building. And have you thought about anything around uh, like changing the, the like swarming pattern of it almost, you know, like having maybe multiple instances of Pingdu to kind of Pingu to, to kind of simulate a huge sudden rush of users? Or is it just kind of like it runs one, you know, just one request every minute or whatever? Uh, we did think about doing this, actually. So we haven't quite thought about how to do that, but we are trying to run something similar to load test one of our one of our new pieces that we've moved from our data center to AWS. Um, and to do that, we're, we're, it's still a little bit unclear how we're going to do that yet. Um, but the, the idea at the minute is that we have this service that writes to DynamoDB uh, about your session. So when you make a query to the site, uh, we store a session so that as new prices come in, you can poll to get the new prices from the session. Um, and that session at the minute is being written to a DynamoDB instance. And we're thinking that to, to replay some of these queries through our new system in AWS, we're going to take a DynamoDB stream, pipe it through a Lambda to call into the new stack. 
so that we can kind of generate real production load based off all the sessions that are being created in uh, the session state, uh, sorry, the DynamoDB instance. That's interesting. I guess the fact that you're going to be using real traffic, you'll, you'll kind of um, replicate that rush of users, then it goes quiet at kind of like bedtime, then it gets a rush in the morning again. You're getting that kind of natural flow of traffic coming through it as well. Definitely. I think that's a really important thing to do when you're, when you're writing services. Um, it's fine like doing a one-off load test. You see it spike. Uh, you, you say, yep, it can handle this many concurrent users. But then you deploy it to production a week down the line after sustaining load for a week. You find out that you've got a very tiny memory leak that's been slowly getting worse over, over the course of the week. And your app falls down on a Sunday afternoon just as you're sitting down for dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that sounds good. Um, I do like the idea of a, of a huge collection of pingus kind of being used at once. I did just Google what a collection of penguins is. Um, in the water, it's a raft, and on the land, it's a waddle. So hmm. we're either having a waddle of pingus or a raft of pingus. Um, we can we can choose, I guess. I think we'll have to go for a waddle. I think a raft. A waddle sounds. A good. raft is a distributed consensus pro protocol, right? So <laughs> we, might, we might have to go for a waddle. <laughs> a waddle of pingus attacking the site. Yep, sounds good. Um, and I guess a similar thing, like uh, like Chaos Wizard, you're you're going to be submitting this to the to the internal open source and letting other people have at this, aren't you? Definitely. And there's even uh, discussion in the squad at the minute about whether we want to open this. Uh, full stop, not just internal open source. Mm, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think we do have one. Uh, one of our build pipeline projects, I think, is available on GitHub already. Um, I'll have to double check that um, and edit this out if that's not true. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's available. We have Skyscanner GitHub. Um, cool. Um, one thing I do think about both of these as well. Um, the, one of the ways you'd metric a site in the past would be CPU and memory usage and all that kind of thing. Do you think, and this is a question to both of you, the change of microservices makes some of that old school metricing a bit useless and more customer facing things are more relevant or are traditional metrics still still the way to check on health? You've got to, got to take a bit of both, I think. Um, traditional metrics, CPU, memory, are very, very easy in most modern systems to, to measure because they just come out of the box in almost every system you have. So AWS will provide you these, these, these graphs for, 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 for EC2 instances or, or the like uh, through, through Cloud, um, uh, CloudWatch, their, their kind of a metric system. And uh, they show, you know, and it's a very low level way of, you know, is everything okay? If, if CPU is, is going along and, and then suddenly drops to zero, um, that could be an indication of a problem, uh, but you you don't know what that problem is really. So it's it is a kind of uh, canary you could say of of uh, indicating something might be up. Um, but you are also right that in the end, um, what the users see is the most important thing. Um, so measuring on you know what sort of latency are they getting to your system, uh, what errors are they getting back. Um, you can argue that if a if a service um, is still returning user requests quickly um, but has the CPU continually hitting the ceiling it's like well is that is that really a problem do I need to have more boxes because it's overworked if it still can provide the users with the with the correct amount of service um, it's an interesting one to ask mm, yeah I mean I guess CPU being maxed out might just mean that you're using your hardware efficiently as opposed to it being a exactly so 
shifting from individual services and um, where you have metrics kind of measuring each individual microservices to looking at an end user point of view does that change how you measure latency um instead of having like individual service timeouts is the more interesting timeout the overall effect to an end user who's using the website yeah i think there's some some, some interesting things here like you you might have a service uh which is is dealing with uh, with customer requests, and then you call another service further down the stack um, to, to, to do some processing for it. Um, you don't know necessarily how far that stack goes down, um, and people working with you could change uh, things underneath your feet all the time. Um, so I think there's, a, there's an interesting concept, possibly part of gRPC or, or something which can be associated with it, where it's kind of like there's an entire timeout for the user request. Um, and so when you get a, a request from the user, um, you might know that you've got a timeout of the entire thing of one second. Um, and you tell the, the, the downward service, you know, I, I, there's, a, there's a second timeout and I have used 50 milliseconds. So, you know, please come back with in the next 950 milliseconds. Um, and they can pass that on um, so that you know uh, when a, a request isn't going to come back and it's already timed out and the services downstream don't have to waste processing on a request which is never going to go anywhere. And I guess on that as well, uh, with Pingu, um, is that going across kind of like our internal network or does it go across out to the internet and back? Because I guess there's so many hops that are out of our control for real users. Pingu is our internal network because Pingu is trying to look at services from the point of view of another internal user. Mm. Um, so for external users, we'd definitely be wanting to use tools like Pingdom or Monetis that have global uh, nodes everywhere pinging our endpoints all the time and reporting on latency and outages. Um, so we have the same sort of thing for internal, part, like kind of uh, beyond the firewall, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, it's so easy to kind of like be shut or eyed of, it works for us and kind of... Yeah. Yeah, especially as we're a global company, I guess we have so many users in... Uh, different parts of the world where internet connectivity might be not as great as, as we have here. Definitely, yeah. Um, so what do you think is next for the tools? Have you got any other uh, extensions that you want to do to either Pingu or Chaos Wizard? Um, or are there other uh, tool gaps that you'd like to fill? Certainly, there's a there's a lot of uh, extra things I think Chaos Wizard could could go further and do. Um, at the moment, yes, I, I mentioned it only does two forms of, of Chaos. Uh, expanding that to uh, specific um, things. For instance, uh, if you have a particular type of database, um, uh, it's an interesting thing I, I, I read when uh, researching uh, AWS Aurora, which is their um, uh, relational database that they've made, which speaks both kind of MySQL and Postgres flavors, is there are certain requests you can send to the database, like a SQL request, um, which does some form of, uh, of of chaos testing to to the database. So it would be like a, a node disappearing or or some sort of lock on a, on a table and other bits and pieces like that. Um, so expanding uh, our tool to work with whatever uh, services um, that the, the various guys are going to uh, services are using um, to provide a, a more comprehensive coverage of what could possibly go wrong um, would be super good. In terms of Pingu, there's, at the minute there's not a lot of changes we'd like to make because we're, we're slowly trying to make more and more probes and make it part of our alerting and monitoring. We want to test the water, so to speak, see how this works, see if other squads are interested in rolling it out onto their alerting and monitoring. And then ultimately, I think the thing that I'd like to do at least is open source it um, and see if other people find this useful.
Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I, and as well, I guess once it's out there in the wild and it's open sourced, we might get some really interesting contributions back in as well. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I did just double check that we do have a GitHub account, uh, which is uh, Skyscanner on GitHub. So um, keep an eye out for Pingu uh, possibly turning up on there. Um, Groovy. Okay, so uh, thanks both. Uh, that was a really interesting chat on uh, testing and service availability and that kind of jazz. Um, if you've got any feedback out there in the wild, uh, please do at us on Twitter. It's at Code Voyagers. And um, check out CodeVoyagers.com for uh, lots of other blogs on various things that we're, we're doing here at Skyscanner Engineering. And if you'd like to join the team, uh, check out skyscanner.net slash jobs. Um, there's lots of positions available. Um, and uh, kind of globally as well. We've got offices up here in Edinburgh. We've got offices down there in London, uh, Glasgow, Budapest, Sofia, Barcelona. I'm sure I'm missing places. Um, but yeah, there's lots of opportunities all around the world for a, for a whole bunch of, of different things. Um, so yeah, uh, any last words, guys? Yeah, it's be good. No, thanks for having me. Cool. Okay then. Cheers. Bye all. <laughs>